the name of the Father, the Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. I'd like to welcome you all to our Perseverance Family Conversation. And as always, it's great to be with all of you in our Perseverance Family, in which we're trying to persevere in our knowledge and love for God to arrive at our eternal destiny, which is heaven. We'd like to begin our conversation always by inviting Mary to be with us. Mary is the mother of God. Mary is the mother of the church. Mary is the mother of each and every one of us. And um, we also like to turn to Mary in the words that we pray in the Hail Holy Queen. The prayer that we pray at the end of the Most Holy Rosary. In that prayer, we say, Mary is our life, our sweetness and our hope. Our life, our sweetness and our hope. So let's, uh, let's pray together the prayer that Mary loves most. That prayer is the Hail Mary. Together. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for our sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Now let's invite our spiritual director to be with us. And our spiritual director is the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit has many beautiful titles. Holy Spirit is known as the Paraclete. Holy Spirit is also the gift of gifts. Holy Spirit is also the sweet guest of our souls. Holy Spirit is also known as our consoler, as well as our counselor. Holy Spirit is our interior master. St. Paul St. Paul says that we we really don't know how to pray as we ought, but the Holy Spirit intercedes with ineffable groans so that we can say Abba. Abba, which means Daddy or Father. So let's uh, invite the Holy Spirit with great humility, but trust, to be with us and to give us a lot of light in our intellect as well as the fire of divine love to, to burn within our hearts the fire of divine love to, to burn within our hearts as we uh, pray the classical prayer to the Holy Spirit 
And that prayer is, Come, Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of your faithful and enkindle within us the fire of your divine love. Send forth your spirit and they shall be created. And thou shalt renew the face of the earth. Let us pray. O God, who did instruct the hearts of your faithful, by the light of the Holy Spirit, grant us that by the same Spirit we may be truly wise. Endeavor rejoice in His consolation through the same Christ our Lord. Amen. Glory be to the Father, to the Son, to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Our Lady of Guadalupe, pray for us. Saint Joseph, pray for us. Saint Michael, Pray for us. Saint Raphael, pray for us. Saint Gabriel, pray for us. Saint Ignatius of Loyola, pray for us. Saint Maria Faustina Kowalska, pray for us. All God's angels and saints, pray for us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and the Holy Spirit, Amen. So we welcome you all to our Perseverance Family Conversation, and the family that prays together stays together. And by means of encouragement, I will be, I'll be celebrating the Mass at midday today, and I will like to place all of you on the altar. All of you on the altar in the holy sacrifice of the Mass. And I'd like to beg for the following graces. First, that all of us in this holy season of Lent would make a real, sincere effort to be more docile and open to the inspirations of the Holy Spirit. In fact, our, our sanctification depends in large part in large part upon being open to the Holy Spirit. So let's try to be open to the Holy Spirit. We might say this prayer, Come, Holy Spirit, come. Come, Holy Spirit, come to the heart of Mary. Come, Holy Spirit, come. Come, Holy Spirit, come to the heart of Mary. 
My next intention, I'd like to pray for your families, especially your family members that have walked away from God. They have chosen a wrong path. They're seeking for happiness in a place where they can't find happiness. Because the fact of the matter is that we can only be truly happy in God. If we're rooted in God, we're rooted in Christ, then we will be happy. Irrespective of the trials and tribulations that we all experience. If God is with us, who can be against us? Our help is in the name of the Lord who made heaven and earth. Finally, I'd like to pray in a special way. I'd like to pray in a special way for the dying. Within the next 24 hours, people will be dying. And perhaps some are not well prepared. Let's pray for them that they would be given the grace of of repentance, that they would turn to the Lord and beg for mercy. And as a consequence, be saved for all eternity. The Lord said, What does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and he loses his soul in the process? What can we give in exchange for our soul? So there we have it, my friends. What I'd like to do today is um, just give some finishing touches on the gospel we had yesterday. Then the first reading, as well as the gospel, focuses on the The person of Jonas in the book of Jonas and our Lord's reference to Jonas in the Gospel. So I'd like to I'd like to um, give you some finishing touches on the Gospel that we had yesterday. And we mentioned that in Lent Returning to Ash Wednesday, a week ago, you're going to be hearing three basic themes that will be repeated during the course of these 40 days. And those three basic themes are that of of prayer, of penance, and almsgiving. As Father Al pointed up, we're called to go up, we're called to go in, we're called to go out. That's right. We're called to go up through prayer, go in through penance, and to go out through almsgiving. To go out, up, in, and out. 
up, in, and and out. Up, in, and out. So yesterday we had the gospel of the Our Father, the Lord's Prayer. You can actually find the Lord's Prayer, the Our Father, in two places. In the Gospel of Luke, in the context of the Sermon on the Mount, and then in the Gospel of St. Luke, in a different context. The apostles were aware of John the Baptist. Some of them were even in the school of John the Baptist. And they say, Lord, teach us how to pray as John taught his disciples to pray. And I think that's a good prayer that we can take to heart. Like the disciples, we just say, on a daily basis... Lord, teach me to pray. Lord, teach me to pray. That's a very, very sincere, honest prayer. Please into God. Lord, teach me how to pray. I really don't know how to pray as I ought. And the Lord will help us. He'll send us His Holy Spirit. Then, I mentioned in my homily, I'd like to just give you some finishing touches on on the Lord's Prayer, the, the Our Father. When you do the spiritual exercises, and many have you, uh, and many of you have done the spiritual exercises with me. St. Ignatius says that the spiritual exercises can be compared to physical exercises. If you go to the gym and you've never lifted weights, you probably you should probably start with with the weights that are um, not that heavy. Otherwise, you're going to pull a muscle. And then you can get those those dumbbells and you can start to do what are called the curls. Or maybe you can do the rowing. Or maybe you can do what's called the, the military press. There are many different things you can do if you go to the gym. The treadmill. Many. St. Ignatius compares our spiritual exercises to physical exercises. So if you go to the gym, there are, there's a lot of apparatus that you can choose from. I personally, I like the rowing machine. I just really like that very much. And I like also the military press. I like the treadmill. I call the treadmill going nowhere fast. <laughs> Do you like that? The treadmill, you're going nowhere fast. <laughs> Fulton Sheen says, the faster people go on the highway, the less they, they know where they're really going. Could be true. Could be true. But in the spiritual exercises, St. Ignatius gives us a whole variety or plethora of different 
ways that we can get close to God. He speaks about, these are different spiritual exercises, different types of prayer. He says, meditation, he mentions contemplation, he'll mention the examination, he'll mention the meditation on the capital sins. But then there's another, there's another type of spiritual exercise that I haven't mentioned too much in the course of my teaching. So I'd like to mention it today in conjunction with the Lord's Prayer. And that is, you take a formal prayer, like the Our Father, or the Hail Mary, or the Glory Be, or the Creed, or the Act of Contrition, but you take it and you just take a word or a concept at a time and you repeat it slowly and you relish it. Okay? You, you say it slowly, you repeat it and you relish it. Which is a good idea because we have the tendency to pray the Our Father and the other prayers quickly. So I'll just start you off uh, with the Our Father, you can take the you can take the Our Father you can take the Our Father and you start off by saying Our Father. Now to that word Father give a descriptive a description of the reality of Father. The good qualities of a Father and then apply that to God the Father and of course these descriptive words that we apply on a human level to God the Father is going to go way beyond that. So take Father. Our Father, Loving Father, Merciful Father, Compassionate Father, All-Forgiving Father, Kind Father, Tender Father, Attentive Father, all-knowing Father, all-powerful Father, all-wise Father. So I've given you about ten different descriptions of the qualities of a good Father and now you apply this. You apply this to our Heavenly Father. Okay, take one more word in the Our Father. Our Father who art in heaven. So take the word heaven 
and try to just go through meditating upon what heaven is like. Heaven. Peace. Joy. Love. Harmony. Friendship. Light. Fragrance. Communion. Joy. Laughter. Radiant smile. So I've given you what I've done. I've given you just two words from the Our Father, and each one I've given about ten different descriptive qualities of the Father and now heaven. You've probably never done that before, but it is a spiritual exercise that Saint Ignatius mentions. in the spiritual exercises. So you might try to do that in your prayer, your meditation. And I really believe that this will this will truly enrich your prayer life. As Mary Jo has pointed out, what a wonderful exercise. It is a wonderful exercise and I've never really spent a lot of time preaching and teaching that, but now it's coming to my mind and I think it's a good idea that we be exposed to that. So it's another type of way or method that we can pray. Taking the words and just relishing the words, seeing them one at a time and assimilating them in our hearts. I think you're going to get a lot of lights and a lot of peace and a lot of joy and a lot of blessings through by utilizing this, which is one of the man, many different exercises. Ignatius gives you a lesson and, he, and then he basically concludes, and others. So it's not all, it's not exhaustive. There are many different ways in which we can pray. So let's move into... So the first reading today, as well as the gospel, has the same theme. And it's the person, it's the person of the prophet Jonah. If any of you have read some of my books, the first book that was published by Sophia Press, one of the short chapters I have in the book is called The Jonah Complex. In my book, From Humdrum to Holy, The, the Jonah Complex. The Jonah Complex. So what I'd like to do is I, I invite all of you to maybe sometime today to go to uh, the Old Testament 
And read through the book of Jonah. It's very short. You could you could read through it easily in, in 15 to 20 minutes, even less. But we don't simply want to read for information, but we want to read and meditate for transformation. We want our reading to be more of a prayer. And as I've told you more than once, my, my teaching method is is three point. I give you a summary of the text, which I'll do today. Then I'll give you an interpretation of the text. Then after I give you the interpretation of the text, I'll give you an application. So the text, the interpretation, and the application. Application meaning meaning how we can how we can apply this to our own lives. So Jonah is one of the shortest readings in the Old Testament. One of the shortest readings in the Old Testament. And our Lord mentions this in the Gospel today. So let's let's take the overall context. See what uh, what God is saying to us through this text, and then how can how can we apply this to our own lives? So it's not simply information, but it's transformation. Okay? Not simply information, but it's transformation. This season of Lent, we want to go through what is called the metanoia process. We want to go through a, a conversion of mind, heart, and life. So, God, God summons or calls Jonah, the prophet, to travel to the enormously big city of Nineveh, of the Assyrians, who were basically enemies to the Jews. And they were pagans. They did not worship the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Far from it. So, God summons uh, Jonah to go to this huge city and to preach to them that they will be destroyed if they do not change. Now, I think we have to cut Jonah a little bit of slack in his uh, reaction to this. So Jonah... He embarks a ship. But the ship is going in the opposite direction. Instead of going to Nineveh, is going in the opposite direction. 
So as the captain of the ship and the sailors in the ship are traveling, God purposely sends on the sea a violent storm. So violent that it almost seems as if the ship is going to sink. And this captain as well as the crewmen, they're trained sailors. They know this, the sea. That's their profession. So they come to the conclusion that someone has done something wrong and their gods are angry at them. That was their interpretation. Jonah, keenly aware of his resisting God's will, he going in the opposite direction to where God wanted him to go, Jonah honestly admits to the captain that he is the culprit for this storm. That's right. He is the reason why this this tempest, this storm has descended upon the sea. He doesn't deny it. So, He humbly admits this to the captain. And Jonah is willing to pay the consequences. So to get rid of the problem, the captain decides the best way to do it, given that Jonah is the, he's the culprit, get rid of the problem by just throw him out of the ship, into the depths of the sea, and that will resolve the problem. And Jonah, he, he puts up no resistance. He says, do it to me. I'm, I deserve it anyway. So the men take Jonah in the midst of the Tempestuous sea, and they they launch him out into the sea. Try to imagine it. Jonah thinking, "Okay, this is my this is my end. I cause this storm. I cause this ruckus among these sailors. I'll pay the consequence." And I think you all know the story. Right in that moment, God has decided to send a few a huge fish, a whale. That moment the whale opens up his big mouth 
and he welcomes Jonah into his mouth. The whale swallows Jonah. So there Jonah is in the belly of the whale. So instead of drowning, he's got refuge in the belly of the whale. Now see how God works. What does the whale do? The whale turns around and he swims. Guess where? He swims to the place, to the city, where Jonah was fleeing. But he does not arrive at the destination of Nineveh right away. And this is very symbolic. Jonah is not going to spend an hour in the belly of the whale, nor two hours. nor even three hours. But rather, Jonah is going to spend three days and three nights in the belly of the whale. Look at the symbolism there. Three days and three nights in the belly of the whale. See, we have a, you might even call it a, a biblical typology of the Paschal mystery that we're heading toward. Paschal mystery, which means the passion, death, and resurrection of Christ. The Passion, Death, and Resurrection of Christ. So here we have a a symbolic, typological depiction of what will happen to our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Our Lord will be buried for those three days and Jonas is in the belly of the well for three days. Then after the three days perhaps the whale had indigestion that he could not swallow and digest Jonah that well. He regurgitates he vomits out of his mouth Jonah. Here's the funny part of this. Is that where does Jonah end up? So Jonah ends up exactly, he, he ends up exactly 
where God wanted him to go in the first place. I find this to be fascinating. Jonah ends up in the same place, the exact same place where God wanted him to go in the first place. In the city of Nineveh. Let's uh, let's move into a, a comment in our own lives. Let's examine our own lives. How many times how many times has it happened that God that God has asked us to do something that God has asked us to do something to do something that we really don't like and as a result of that like Jonah we get up and we go in the opposite direction I call this the Jonah complex. God invites us to do something and we say no and we go in the opposite direction. We take the wrong path. God wants us to go north and we go south. So I think we can really we can really identify with Jonah, the Jonah complex. I'm going to say to you something right now that might surprise you. And it's the... uh, But it, it can even be applied to the Jonah complex. Now don't be scandalized. But of course one of the greatest music groups that ever lived would be the Beatles. We cannot deny that. One of the songs of the Beatles is Hello, Goodbye. And it goes like this. Hello, Goodbye. Hello, Goodbye. I don't know why you say no. I say goodbye. She says, yes, I say no, you say go, and I say no, no, no. Hello, goodbye. Hello, goodbye. I don't know why you say yes, I say no. She says, yes, I say no, you say go, and I say no, no, no. Maybe you're scandalized at Father Broom quoting one of the Beatles songs. Don't be so scandalized about the Beatles song, which is Hello, Goodbye. But really, Hello, Goodbye, the Beatles, is somewhat related to the Jonah Jonah Complex. It's somewhat related to the Jonah Complex. 
Because in that song of the Beatles, you have someone saying yes, other one says no, someone says go, and the other says no, no, no. In a certain sense, there's a tension and there's a separation. There's a dichotomy. I think we have this Jonah complex and the hello goodbye complex of the of the Beatles within our own lives. That God says yes and we say no. God says go and we say no, 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 like Jonah. Examine our lives. How often does God challenge us to do something? We end up by doing the exact opposite. I think we've got to be honest with ourselves. Be honest. And even in the Our Father that we were commenting this today and yesterday, Thy will be done. Thy will be done. On earth as it is in heaven. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. On earth as it is in heaven. So our sanctity depends on on avoiding the Jonah complex. Avoiding the Jonah complex. So once Jonah arrives at the city of Nineveh, spewed out by the whale, now Jonah, now Jonah carries out God's mission. Carry out God's mission. Now what is God's mission? God wants Noah to preach a message of conversion, but a very serious message that if the inhabitants of Nineveh do not obey this, then they will be destroyed. So Noah, uh, Noah. Uh, Jonah is walking He's walking through the streets of Nineveh. And it's a huge, it's a huge city. Which will take many days to cross. What is the message of Jonah? The message of Jonah quite simply is the following. In 40 days, Nineveh will be destroyed. In 40 days, Nineveh will be destroyed. So you see, see, my friends, in 40 days, Nineveh will be destroyed.
Forty days Nineveh will be destroyed. Once again we have the number 40. The 40 years that the Israelites were in the desert, the 40 days that Moses was on the mountaintop, the 40 days that Jesus spent in the desert praying and fasting. Here we have it again. Now, to the surprise and to the dismay of Jonah, something happens that he did not expect at all. That these Ninevites, these pagans, these Ninevites, these these pagans, they decide that they they decide that they will change. They will change. They will change. And how do they change? Well, by concrete, by concrete gestures they make. The news arrives at the king of Nineveh. And he proclaims to the whole city of Nineveh an ordinance that everyone in Nineveh will have to fast, put on sackcloth and ashes. And beg for, beg for mercy. Here you have the king of this pagan city, proclaiming a fast and concrete acts of penance. Not only the king, but it would be the, the, the men, the women. The young ones, the children, even the cats and dogs and the cows and the sheep, even the animals were called to implement a universal fast and penance. By doing this, that God would forgive them. And God would decide not to carry out the utter destruction and the annihilation of Nineveh as had happened in, in Sodom and Gomorrah earlier. So Jonah is proclaiming in 40 days Nineveh will be destroyed and the king heeds this and calls this universal fast. John is preaching and he's both hot and tired. He's both hot and tired. 
So God allows this plant to grow up. And the leaf of the plant would be would serve as a means of shade to cover the head of Jonah and protect the the head of Jonah from the heat of the day. Jonah was happy about this. But then God sent to Jonah to that plant a worm. And the worm, the worm bit into that plant. And as a consequence, the plant withered up, dried up and died. So Jonah no longer has this, this plant to cover him. The end result, the end result of this preaching of Jonah is the radical total conversion of this huge city of Nineveh. This radical total conversion of the city of Nineveh that from the highest to the lowest from the king down to the small boy and girl and even the animals were sitting in sackcloth and ashes hoping that God would not chastise them for their many sins Now God looks down God looks down upon the Ninevites and he looks at Jonah too. The last verse that we have in the reading today says when God saw their actions how they turned from their evil way He repented of the evil that he had threatened to do to them. And he did not carry it out. Those, that is the last verse of the book of Jonah today. That God had planned to destroy Jonah, I'm sorry, the Ninevites, but he decided against it. For the simple reason that they were converted. But the book is not over. Jonah hears God. Jonah is aware of God's intention. And Jonah is angry. Jonah 
is angry because Jonah wanted God to destroy the Ninevites. He wanted them he wanted God to eliminate the Ninevites, who were basically the enemies of the Jews anyway. Jonah wanted, in a certain sense, revenge. But God intervenes. And in this we really see the mercy of, of God and the mercy of Christ. The attribute of mercy that God created the human person in his image and likeness not to destroy us, but to save us. Even the name Jesus Christ, Jesus means Savior, the name that was given to him to Mary through the Archangel Gabriel. His name is Jesus because he will save the people of their sins. So Jonah, he starts to complain to God. Jonah starts to complain to God, hoping that God would destroy this wicked city. In the last verse is very interesting of the book of Jonah. I invite you to read the book of Jonah. It says that these people, these people do not know the difference between their right hand and their left hand. That's right. They don't know the difference between their right hand and their left hand. And it ends even by saying, and what about so many cattle? How can we interpret this and apply this to our own life? Never have we lived, never have we lived in a world, especially in the first world where we live, where there is so much information. With the access to the internet, we can learn, we can acquire information in no time, basically. We've never lived in a world with so much information. But also, we've never lived in a world with so much confusion. We can even apply that to the Ninevites. These people, these people, many, many of these people, let's, um, let's be, be kind. Many of these people were very ignorant. They were not exposed to the truth. And God had mercy on them. Given that all of us in our Perseverance family, we're learning more and more each day. We're learning more and more each day about God. I invite all of you to share with others what you're learning. 
share this conversation that we had today with many of your friends. Your relatives, your friends, your colleagues. That God would have mercy. That God would have mercy on our world. As God did have mercy as a result of the preaching of Jonah on the Ninevites. May our Lady of Mercy help us. The Lord be with you. May Almighty God bless you. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.